Sometimes you do. Talk too much? Just kidding. No, we love, we love Dave. Well, good morning, Grace Point. If, uh, if you didn't notice, I'm not Pastor Harold. I'm really close. Real close. But no, it's, uh, they're, mom and dad, they're on vacation, much needed. And, uh, well, they, yeah, we need a break from me. I need a break from them sometimes. It's okay. No, I won't throw you guys into that. No, I, I love them. Looking forward to having them home. And um, they, my dad asked me to open up our new series. And so um, there's way more people this time around than there was first service. But we're going to, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I don't have very much practice. So this could be 10 minutes. It could be three hours. My few students know I have a tendency of running over. So just first service was like, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. So it should be, it should be fine. Um, but yeah, so we're starting a new series this week. Um, it's called Don't Waste Your Work. Um, and basically the idea is like we spend a huge portion of our life working, whether that's at a job, working at home, hobbies. I mean, you name it, we, we spend most of every day, most of every week, most every year for the entirety of our lives working. Um, and so we want to know, you know, how we can use that well. And I was, I've, I've heard it a lot. I've seen videos of it recently even. But, like, when you ask people what they w- want to do with their lives, you know, what, what do you want to be, your legacy, whatever. A lot of people say they want to, you know, give back. Or um, the way I heard it just this week was leave a positive net gain in the world. That was an engineer who said that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty common amongst, like, college-age kids especially because, I mean, that's who I deal with primarily. But then also that's common for everybody. People want to matter. They want to leave something that matters. Um, so, yeah, we want to talk about it and, you know, see what God's Word says. Um, quick story. When I was growing up, I was a part of Boys Club at the Fremont campus. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically the Boy Scouts with the Bible. I mean, it's pretty simple like that. But um, I was at a camp out. We do this like two or three times a year. And I was talking to one of the leaders about deodorant. It's a, it's a long story how we got there. But what was interesting in this conversation with him, this has always stuck with me. I was like probably 10 years old. And he said that if you shower in the morning, you'll go to bed dirty. But if you shower before you go to bed, you'll be clean for over half of your life. And I think about that every single time I take a shower, typically in the morning. But, you know, <laughs> regardless, um, you know, it's just, that's something really interesting. And I think that points to something true about our work. See, we spend a lot of time, like I said, the majority of our life working. Like we, it's, that's most of our life. So if we learn how to make our work worthwhile, the outcome of that can only be that our life is going to be worthwhile. Or so, you know, put it in terms of the series, like if we learn how to not waste our work, we'll come to the end of our lives having not wasted our lives. And I think that's, that's like a really, really big deal. Um, so before we get into the text and before we continue, I'm going to open up the word of prayer because I need it, we need it, you know, so. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning and I thank you that um, the church family could be here together. I thank you for this opportunity um, to just read from your word um, and just what you know, you've laid in my heart in the last few days about this topic and 
Um, I thank you for each and every one that's here, that they get to um, be a part of this whole process, and we get to um, just talk about what you've done, what you're promising to do, um, and how we can just live lives that ultimately bring honor to you. Um, in this time, Lord God, I ask that you would give us attentive hearts, help us to just be aware of what it is you want for us, and that um, you know ultimately that it's you teaching us through your Holy Spirit, and that um, you know we get to just lean into that, and I hope that you would just do that for us, and I just thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the cross, Lord God, that we just sang about. Uh, yeah, we love you, praise you, pray all in Christ's name, amen. All right, so we're going to start off in Genesis chapter 1. Um, it's actually, so what I ended up doing is kind of like hitting the beginning of everywhere it says like where God said something, because it's a long passage, and I wanted to read the whole thing, but we'd be here for a couple hours, because it's a lot, a lot. So, I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. Um, I'm going to read it off of here, just for my own ease. So it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heavens of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for the signs and for the seasons and for the days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So from the very beginning, we see that First of all, God created. Throughout the first six days of the week, He created everything in and on the earth in all of the universe. And, you know, in that process, He created mankind. He created, you know, the human race, male and female. And then right at the beginning of chapter 2, it kind of goes back and zooms in on, um, you know, that process, like creating man. So we're going we're gonna to read that as well. So this is uh, starting verse 7 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs, one of his ribs, and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. And so right at the very beginning of time, this is where we see the original purpose of man. God created man to work and keep the garden. So God created the Garden of Eden. He put Adam in there, had created Eve, put her in there with him. And they were supposed to be in relationship with God. And he was going to be their God and be in relationship with them. And so from the very beginning, they're told to work and keep the garden. So we're not, we're not going to read about it this morning, but chapter 3, um, that's where we find out about like, the fall of man, where you know, Adam and Eve, they sin against God, they, you know, they eat of the fruit that they're not supposed to, like the one thing they didn't have, like they, you can't do this, and they you know, made that choice, did that, and from that point on, sin entered the world, death entered the world, and you know, from there, you know, we have our life. And so that work that they were originally given to do was now going to be hard. Firstly, because of the sin that obviously comes, you know, that just makes things difficult. You know, imagine broken relationships, you know, just difficult works. You know, you try things, things don't work. You know, it's not, per- it's not perfect anymore. But on top of that, God also cursed the land because of the sin and said, Adam, the ground that you're going to work, it's going to fight you. You're going to, it's by the sweat of your brow and, you know, basically breaking your back is going to, that's how you're going to get your food from the earth. And so that's part of the curse that God placed on the earth. Um, then, you know, all the way through the Old Testament and in the New Testament, your prophets, your judges, the apostles, they were all, you know, they did their lives, but then they would also, they were heavily persecuted. Most died because of their faith. Um, and, you know, when we, you know, even look at the life of Christ, we see his time on earth was difficult. Everybody picking on him, you know, just like a mess. But then right at the end of his life, going to the cross and dying in the most brutal way possible. And, you know, what's interesting too is in John chapter 16, Jesus tells us that in this world we're going to experience trouble. Like that's, that's something we should expect. And I, I think that it wouldn't take us very long to just evaluate our lives and like, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Like everything's difficult. Nothing comes easy. Um, and the reality is that in this world, like that's normal. And like we should expect that. But I think, you know, before we kind of continue with that, I think something that's really important is with, without bad news, you can't have good news. And I think that's something like, on the flip side of it too, like, I want to kind of give us the good news so that the bad news isn't like as hard to take. Um, I, got, I have a passage here in Revelation you're going to read here in a second. Um, but, you know, I actually didn't even know, I didn't know the, the music set we're going to do, but it, it fits so perfectly. Like we, we just sang about how God is our rescuer and how like our testimony is that we came from death to life. And like, you know, just proclaim it like, yeah, that, that's my story. That's, that's where I have come from. And 
you know, it's, it's just, that's, yeah, so that's, I'm really excited about it. So anyways, um, something interesting that God does, and we're going to jump back into it in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, he does something very specific that we kind of jumped over before. Um, yeah, so I'm going to read it real quick. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So like after, after all the creating God does, he comes to the day seven, he's like, I'm going to take a break, I'm going to hang out, but this day is going to be holy, I'm going to rest. And obviously he didn't need to, but like that's something he, he set as an example for us. And what this kind of, as I was reading, like something that kind of hit me, is like this is, this is something he's showing us for our lives. Um, because basically in the future we have, we have a hope coming. That like even though this is like a mess now, like there's a, there's a future hope that we can hang on to. And that's what this passage in Revelation 21 is about. It says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is sitting on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in a lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, I was considering not even including the last part of that. Um, you know, just kind of hoping, like, hey, we'll just focus on the good stuff, because we're already talking about how life is difficult. But the reality is that the gospel is the good news and, I mean, you can't have the gospel without the bad news. The reality is that, like, our lives, what we sang about, from death to life, the second death he talks about, like, that, that was our lives. If we do not know Christ, we do not have a relationship with him, that's our life. That's what's coming. But for those of us who are in Christ, and Paul says it in Romans 8.37, that those of us who are in Christ are more than conquerors. Like, it says here that, like, the one who conquers will have this heritage. Like, we're more than that. We are heirs of the kingdom with Christ. And like that's, that's our hope. That's our future hope. And like even this week hearing about just heartbreak, loss, and pain in our, own, like our church family um, and like dealing with that in the last few months even too with so many relationships within our church family. It's like it's, it's so difficult more so than like we can even imagine. Like if you take any sort of time and talk to the people in our church, like we experience this heavily. Like, there's so much pain in our church family, but we can look forward to the hope of eternity where we're promised this rest. 
And so that's what we look forward to. That's our hope. But before we get there, you know, there's, there's work that God has given us to do. Um, and so that's, you know, that's going to be the focus of like, this four-week series. Like, we want to, like, how do we do this well? How do we do it in a meaningful way? Um, and so just, you know, going back to Genesis here, we got Christ created, like, God created us with purpose in mind. There's specific things and specific reasons why he, he did the things he did. Um, number one, God created us to glorify him. And by that we mean, like, he, he created us to point to God. Everything in our, in our lives should ultimately point other people and, like, point all of creation to, here is God, here is, you know, here's what he's done for us. And for us as Christians, after the cross, especially, like, here's what Christ did on the cross. And that's, and that's what it means to glorify. And so Genesis 1 there says that we've been made in the image of God. Like, we're not, we're not God. We're not, like, gods. It's, it's very simple. Like, we are an image of God. We are, you know, we have dominion over the earth. Like, to creation, we are a representative. Or, like what we just talked about in Fuse in the last couple of weeks, Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives, and we bear the authority of God in that, like, in that representation. And, and then in Isaiah 43, I don't have it on the, on the slides, but it says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, Gather up, and to the south, Do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters to the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. It's so like very specifically, like we, we actually point to that, that verse a lot when we're talking about stuff infused, like everything comes back to that. Like we're made to glorify God. That's, that's the purpose. That's like the main one. And then also in Genesis chapter 2, we learn that God created us to work and to keep. There's two different things there, both kind of a, I mean, it's the Garden of Eden, we're already kind of talking about it's like this idea of like gardening. So working, you can imagine like, you know, you can't have vegetation unless the ground is actually prepared for it. And so, you know, you see guys with the tractors plowing the fields, getting, you know, putting rows in it, getting all the weeds, rocks, all that kind of stuff out of it, clearing out trees. You know, like that's the, it's, it's the hard work. It's the, you know, the tearing it up part of the process. Ultimately preparing the ground, clearing obstacles, for growth to happen. And then keeping, it's, it's related and similar, um, but slightly different. So I don't know how many people have actually grown tomatoes, but so with a tomato plant, the tomato itself is really heavy compared to the vine that it grows on. And so, you know, you get them at stores all the time now, but there's like a metal ring, or like a cage essentially, that the gardener will put down over top of the plant. And it does a couple things. So number one, it protects the plant. So like mom has me go out there and weed whack around the garden and stuff. I don't, it keeps me from like chopping it off and killing it. So one, it protects it, but it also gives it structure. So as it grows and matures, it has something to wind up on so that as it bears fruit, it has something to hold it. So there's, a, there's like an idea of like protecting and growing it. But even while it's on there, something else the gardener will do is kind of nurture the plant. He'll prune it. He'll take the dead leaves and stuff off there so that good nutrients are going to the good parts of the vine. And so there's like a idea of caring for and like, you know, I guess nurturing is probably the best word for it. So there's like the hard work, but there's also the caring part of it. And so that's the idea of work and keep, and we'll come back to that 
um, again here later. And then lastly, in Genesis, we see that God created us for relationships. So the first one, the real big one, is obviously a relationship with God. So he created the Garden of Eden. He put Adam in there, and God walked with Adam, which just blows my mind. But, you know, he created a space, he created earth so that we could know God, so that we could dwell with God. And eventually, again, when we get to heaven, when we're in that rest, we're going to dwell with God and be in a relationship with him. And then secondly, he created Eve for Adam. And so, you know, there's the, like, the, like the intimate relationship there, and then later with, you know, kids, generations after, and people, and this is one that we most directly experience, like, we're created to be in community with people. It's like, it's, it's almost impossible to do life without other people. I mean, if anything that COVID's taught anybody, like, that's a big part of it. Like, you need people, and it's, I'll be interested to see the studies that they do, or like the results of the studies they're working on where like what being alone, isolation does to people intellectually. It's, it's crazy. Um, so you need people. And lastly, God created Adam and Eve to be in relationship with creation, to have dominion over the earth. Like we, there's a, you know, a caring for all of creation. Like that's part of the relationship there. Um, I'm not going to go like all green and like save the planet, take care of the planet. It's our job. You know, so that's the other relationship there. Um, and it's important to point those things out because unless you know who you are, unless we understand who we are and know what we're supposed to do, we can't actually bring our work with work, like, and make it worthwhile. Like, we have to, we have to understand those things first. Um, so the rest of this morning, me talking about kind of the application of that, like, what is it that we're supposed to do now with that information? Um, and really the big thing is that we have to identify for ourselves, like, what is it that's our garden? Where are we placed? Where, like, you know, I guess for me, like, I'm an engineer. I'm not a pastor. Um, and I, you know, so that's, number one, I work at Christie Machine. It's like 11 people who work there. And four of them, I know for certain right now, do not know the Lord. And they are, I mean, the reality is, like, they are going to hell without Christ. Um, and that's, you know, so number one, that's my main garden, if you will. And then also part of that, I'm part of the Bierga family. And so, you know, part of my garden that I'm looking at is, you know, the spiritual climate of my family. Obviously, you know, dad's kind of the one who, you know, he's, he's the pastor in the family, so he does a lot. But, you know, also I'm part of that process. I'm partially responsible for some of that. And then, like, I'm in a dating relationship. So, like, you know, that's another aspect of my garden and then also I'm part of the church family here. Um, you know, I, I oversee the, the Fuse ministry here at, at Grace Point, and I'm involved in the other campuses as well. And so, like, that's part of my area of influence. And so the question is, in my garden, am I living a life? Am I glorifying God? Am I doing the things required of me so that life can grow, flourish, and mature? And especially, I was just thinking about that this morning, like, especially in our Fuse ministry, like, this is the, it's the next generation of our church. And so, like, I was not necessarily getting stressed out about it, but kind of freaked out a little bit, because, like, that's a huge responsibility. Like, you know, and I'll, thank you, by the way, for, you know, allowing me to, and, and Dave now, too, like, help teach the next generation. Like, that's, it's crazy to think that, like, we're part of that process of, you know, maturing our church. And, um, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the question. Like, am I 
building and developing a spiritual atmosphere that allows for growth and maturity. You know, so that's just, that's just me. <clears throat> that's, you know, that's my garden. That's where God has placed me. But the reality, like each and every one of us are placed in our own gardens, if you will. We all have our own sphere of influence. And so like that's, that's our main takeaway like today, like I really want to hold on to is, you know, finding that garden and like that as we're going through this series, like really evaluating that. So like for our takeaways this week, the first one is, do you have a relationship with God? Because if you, I mean, if you're, if you're not a Christian here this morning, like that's great. We're so glad you're here. Um, you know, we, we sang about, again, like God is our, he's our savior. He's our, our rescuer. You know, rescuing us from, you know, what Revelation says, like going to hell, being separated from God for eternity. Like Christ is our rescuer. And if, you know, you can do life without God. But it is so much better with God. And, I mean, if, if you don't know God, then, like, you know, this might be helpful, kind of, but it, you're missing the substance to it. Because God promises to give us everything that we need for life and godliness. He promises to give us all the tools, our gardening tools, that we need in order to accomplish the work that he's given us and he's designed us to be in relationship with God. So that's step one. Like if we don't have that nailed down, then really, you know, we're, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And the second thing is, very simply, what is our garden? Where are we placed at? What's your job? What's your school? What is your family like? You know, who are the people that God has placed in your life that you are supposed to influence? And like that's something you, you really have to identify. And I mean, it's going to be taking time kind of thinking about yourself, spending time in prayer, thinking about it, reading God's word, and like who people like, even people you don't see on a regular basis have been placed in your life. You know, me and my family have moved around a lot, but there's still people in many states that I've lived in that we still pour into each other's lives. Like that's part of that larger group, you know? So who are those people? Where's your place? And then lastly, are you working? Um, you know, for, this is especially for Christians. These are the people who are like, who have placed their faith in Christ. They're part of a church family. They are doing the things that they're supposed to do. Like if, if you're out there spreading the gospel, if you're out there praying for the people you work with, being there for people in their lives, praise the Lord. Because that, I mean, that's what people need. That's what it's all about. Um, please keep doing that. Be faithful in that. Be diligent in that. And if you're not, then you need to evaluate probably step one and step two. Because that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. And so are you working? Are you doing those things the Lord has put on your heart to do? Um, and as, as the band comes up for the last, the last song, I've got a final encouragement. Um, out of, this is taken out of Isaiah 55, um, just a really cool passage. And Again, I had no idea the songs we were doing today, but they're, like, they're, just, they're so perfect uh, for what we're talking about. Um, here's what Isaiah 55 says. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
This is the word of God. A promise made that he has sent out his word to draw his sons and daughters to himself for salvation, for eternity, for his glory. And we get to be a part of that. And like, no matter how much we mess up, how much we fail, how much we struggle with that, God has promised to complete his work. Ultimately, with or without us. He's, he's going to make it happen. And it's just, it's amazing we get to be a part of that. Um, yeah, so as we continue in the, in the series for the next couple weeks, um, you know, we're going to be talking about like how we do this, kind of what that looks like, and some more specific details. Um, but yeah, do you know the Lord? Do you know where you're at? And are you working? David?